can see the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, you know where to turn. Isaiah chapter 6. As we continue through Isaiah chapter 6, you, when we are done with this chapter, you will know Isaiah chapter 6. And we have dissected it, not as much as we can, but we'll continue to do it. As we walk through this idea of uh, faithful, the word faithful, we have, over the last month or two, we've looked at the word being faithful in worship. That you see on the screen is our mission statement of, of why we exist as a church, why we have the address that we have, and that is to love God and love people. We do that by keeping the Great Commandment and actively doing the Great Commission. And so we've been looking at being faithful in all five areas of our mission statement, in worship, fellowship, evangelism, discipleship, and missions. We've just finished being faithful in worship. And it says in our mission statement, we exist to love God. The best and only way to love God is to worship Him. Worship the Lord. Magnify the Lord, as the psalmist says. And we do that in many different ways. We worship God through singing. We worship God through praying, through the preaching of the Word, through hearing the Word, through reading the Scriptures. We worship the Lord through obeying the Lord, through serving Him and others, through giving of our time and resources. We worship God in so many ways. The greatest, how do we love God? We do that through worshiping Him. Well then, it says to love people. You know the great commandment. It says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what does it say? To love your neighbor. Love people. And so we want to accomplish that. It's part of our mission statement. It's part of who we are. How do you love people? You love people by fellowship with fellowshipping with people. We love others. We love our neighbor. We love people through fellowship with them. And so what we want to do is over the course of this month, the three or four weeks, we want to look at how to be faithful in fellowship. Now that's fellowship, loving people inside the faith family, inside the church, but also loving people outside of our faith family, loving folks outside of our church. And we want to be faithful in both of those. But it all hinges on loving God. If we don't love God, we'll never be able to love people. Amen? You'll never be able to love people properly unless you love God first. You'll never be able to love your spouse, your children, and your neighbors, your, what we call them, your, your friends, friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. You'll never be able to love them if you do not properly love God first. So we want to look at fellowship. I hope you come back next week, in the next two weeks. But next week, much like last week, I'll have a couple up here, and they'll share testimony of what fellowship looks like. You'll see, you'll hear a live story, live um, testimony of what fellowship, what we're about to discuss, you'll hear testimony of how that it actually does work if you'll do these three things. Often in our, uh, in our outreach model, you hear us talk about three things, identify, invest, and invite. And that's how we want to do in Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter 6 gives us a perfect picture, an example of our outreach model and how we are to fellowship with people. So you know Isaiah chapter 6 starts out with the, the uh, 
uh, telling us that King Uzziah had died, so the, the throne of Judah was empty. There was some unrest in the nation of Judah. Their king had died, so they don't know what direction they're going. They are uh, subject to enemies coming over and attacking them because their leader has died. And so Isaiah, in this unrest moment, he just has a worship service with God. And we see that in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. They call together, the seraphim calls together. He sees the Lord seated high on a lofty throne. And they have a worship service. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway start to shake from their voices. And then Isaiah begins to confess. And so if you have found your place in Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read verse 5 together. If you'll stand with me if you're able to. Stand as we read the scriptures together. The highlight of our gathering today. The highlight of our time together. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. So this worship service, Isaiah is in the presence of God. He sees Christ seated on the high lofty throne. They're singing to him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. Your glory is filling the temple, filling the whole earth. And they're worshiping the Lord. And then Isaiah sees God for who he is. And in that moment, anytime you see the Lord and experience God, it reminds you of who you are compared to Him. And Isaiah says in verse 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. He realized how wretched he is. He realized just how dirty and how ugly and rotten he is compared to God. It's a place where all of us need to come to. We need to be humble in a view of ourselves. Uh, too often we have a high view of us. You know, we have a high view of who, oh, I'm awesome. I got great talents, I have great, great personality. And so therefore we don't need God. Isaiah looked and saw the Lord and realized, no, 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 I am ruined compared to him. I need the Lord. I am, I am a man of unclean lips because he had an unclean heart. But then look what he said. And I live among a people of unclean lips. He looked around them and he noticed something. He's not the only one. He saw his neighbors with unclean lips as well because they too have unclean hearts. Let's pray. Father, may we magnify the name of the Lord together. And God, as the scriptures are presented, we pray that they transform our hearts and our minds. And we pray that as the scriptures are presented this morning, God, as you speak, Father, that is where the power comes from. Lord, we need to hear from heaven today, so Father, we pray you would speak to us, use me in any manner you see fit. Lord, thank you for gathering with us, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you three observations when it comes to fellowship and how we fellowship with people around us, whether it be neighbors or where you live or co-workers or, uh, you know, <coughs> or whatever that, their lockers beside you, they sit beside you in class or you play a sport with them. All of us have people around us that we are to fellowship with. 
Observation number one, we talked about identifying, best, and inviting. Isaiah recognized his own heart, that he was ruined, and that he, had, he was a man of unclean lips, that he needed the Lord, he needed Christ, he needed God in his life. But right after that, Isaiah, observation number one, and you can write these, I'm sorry they're not in them, there's no uh, outline in your uh, worship guide, you can... You can use this paper if you like. Just use one side of it. You're going to need one side in a minute. But you can use it to write notes if you want to. Observation number one of what Isaiah did. Isaiah identified the spiritual condition of his neighbors. He identified the spiritual condition of his neighbors, of the people around him. You see, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. The first step of fellowship, biblical fellowship with people, is to identify their spiritual condition. Not what they look like, not how they live their life, but identify their spiritual condition. Are they lost? Are they unchurched? And Isaiah teaches us that he identified their spiritual condition of his neighbors. Now the question is, who is your neighbor? Who is our neighbor? There was a hotshot lawyer in Luke chapter 10, a man that really was kind of lazy, trying to justify his life and justify who he should talk to and who should he should share with. In Luke chapter 10, he comes to Jesus and says, who is my neighbor? Well, who's my neighbor? You're trying to tell us who's our neighbor. You know the story. Jesus tells the, the, uh, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. But there was a man walking down the street. He's robbed and beat, laid for dead, left for dead. One man comes by, a creek comes to the other side of the road, walks around him. Another one comes by, goes around him, and then you have a Samaritan that comes along. He sees the man. He recognizes the condition that he is in, and he just helps him. He sees a man in need, he just helps him. He gathers him up, he dresses his wounds, and takes him to an inn and pays and helps in that area. And matter of fact, I'll come back tomorrow to, to pay for anything that, that is needed. And so uh, in this story, this man who was beaten was not the neighbor. And oftentimes we'll look at the man that was laying there that, is that my neighbor? Is, is the man laying there that is left for dead, is he my neighbor? Is, is that co-worker my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? If I'm supposed to love that neighbor, who, who is the neighbor I'm supposed to love? And by the time we figure out who we're supposed to love and what neighbor we're supposed to assist and help and share the gospel with, we have missed the opportunities to do it. Why? Because we're like the lawyer who's just trying to justify his own laziness and not going to people and helping them and serving them and loving people and fellowshipping with people. The question is not, who's my neighbor? The question is, who am I? The man laying there for dead in Luke chapter 10 was not the neighbor. The Samaritan was the neighbor. He was the neighbor. He was the neighbor, not the person laying there. And so too often, you and I, by the time we try to decide and figure out who our neighbor is, we've missed opportunities. God-given divine appointment opportunities to fellowship with someone, to be a neighbor. Don't, don't try to figure out who your neighbor is. Figure out who you are. 
Who am I? That's the question. Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. I'm a person who was transformed through the salvation. I was saved from God's wrath. That's who I am. I was saved from God's wrath. But listen to me. Saved from God's wrath. But I was also saved to fellowship with God and people. That's who I am. I'm not worried about who my neighbor is. The question is not who is, who is my neighbor. The question is who am I? We put too much emphasis on who other people are and not who we are. Who am I? I am saved by grace. God saved me from his wrath, but I've been saved to fellowship. That's what I'm saved to. Fellowship with who? God, love the Lord. Fellowship with people, love thy neighbor. Oftentimes, we're worried about everybody else. We should not be asking who is my neighbor. We should be asking who am I? And if you are a saved believer, you trust in the Lord. God has saved you from your sins. Isaiah trusted in the Lord. His sins were forgiven. His iniquities were removed. And Christ were given this right standing before God. It's called justification. We're saved from His wrath. But we're also propelled in love for God and for others in this new power of the Spirit that lives within us. It's a sanctification process. See, that changes how we view people. When you realize who you are, it changes how you look at people. That's what Isaiah's doing. He's realizing who he is. He said, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I have an unclean heart. And he's calling out to the Lord. And then what happens? God saves him. He removes his sins. He removes his iniquities. He covers the iniquities. Author Jonathan Parnell puts it like this. I love the way he puts it. When we think about, when we ask the question, not who is my neighbor, but we ask the question, who am I? Who am I? He says this affects the way we see those around us. When, when you know and realize that you are a wretched, dirty sinner saved by God's grace, saved from God's wrath and to fellowship with God and people, he says it changes how we see those around us. He says it's not because they've become something different, but because we have. It's not because they have changed, it's because you've changed. That's what's happening. That's the difference. It's not that Isaiah, everybody, his neighbors have changed. Isaiah has changed. Isaiah has been removed from God's wrath, saved for fellowship with people. And now he doesn't see his neighbors and those around them with worldly eyes. He now sees them through the lens of the gospel. He sees their spiritual condition, not their physical condition. And so it changes how we view people. It changes how we see those around us. They didn't change. We changed. That's why it's important not to ask, who is my neighbor? It's important to ask, who am I? Who am I? He goes on to say, God's justifying work for us and transforming work in us commissions a path of good works prepared beforehand that, as Ephesians 2.10 says, that we should walk in them. He 
prepares that for us. On this path, listen, on this path are real people with real lives full of real stories. And now when we encounter them, they are divine. They are a divine call to us. They are an opportunity, a welcome mandate for us to be who we are in Christ. And who are we in Christ? Remember, ask the question, who am I? Well, in Christ, I'm a blood-bought sinner saved by grace. I've been removed from God's wrath, but I've been saved to fellowship with God and people. And so it changes how we view people around us, and it changed how Isaiah saw the people around him. Salvation not only transforms you before God, but it also transforms how you see people. You quit asking who my neighbor is. Because by the time you find out, they died and gone to hell. You didn't tell me anything about Jesus. Stop asking who your neighbor is and start asking who am I? Who am I? If I'm a man of God, a woman of God, a teenager of God that's been saved, God saved me. That means he saved you from his wrath and he saved you to fellowship with him and to fellowship with people. Look at people. It transforms how you see people. You no longer see people for who they are. Uh, physically and through earthly, worldly lens. You begin to see people like Isaiah saw in their spiritual condition. Are they lost? Do they know Jesus? Do they know the Lord? Are they unchurched? Isaiah recognized that they too were ruined and with unclean lips. Notice what he says. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's all he said about it. The only way he looked at his neighbors was that they were lost. They needed the Lord. So when you are saved, when God saves us, it transforms how we see people. He recognized that they too were rude and unclean. Notice his description of them, but it wasn't. And I live among the people that are jerks. He didn't say that. My neighbors, man, my neighbors are jerks. Live on that side of the jerks. This neighbor over here, his dog cooks in my yard all the time. My kids about to step on him, comes in the house, whatever. Right? It's personal for us. <laughs> Working on it. Notice he didn't say, well, the neighbors behind us, they got a different skin color than me. I'm not fellowshipping with them. They live differently than us. I'm not going to fellowship with them. Look at the way they live. They're not our kind of people. Look at how they live. They play loud music all the time. Nobody wants to hear that garbage. He didn't say any of that, did he? That's how we view our neighbors, though, isn't it? Why? Because we're asking the wrong question. We're asking, who is my neighbor? And all you're trying to figure out, what neighbor looks good? What neighbor can I fit with? What neighbor looks like me, lives like us, same skin color, fits my, you know, this, this view of what people should live and how they should live and how they should look? Because we're asking the wrong question. Don't ask who your neighbor is. You better start asking, who am I? Now, if I've been saved by grace, God's called me to fellowship with people. And I don't see them for their skin color. I don't see my neighbors for how they live. I don't see my neighbors for what a jerk they may be sometimes. I don't see my neighbors for their dog living in my yard. I don't see my neighbors for those things. I want to see my neighbor for their spiritual condition. So, Isaiah is teaching us to identify 
does around us, identify our neighbors. And that's exactly what he's done. He noticed their spiritual condition. May you and may I see people through gospel lens rather than worldly, selfish lens. So you have this sheet of paper. Do you have it? Do you get it out? you have a sheet of paper? Maybe you can write notes on one side and you need the other side. What I want you to do, on this sheet of paper on one side, if you'll just draw the tic-tac-toe, you know, uh, game or whatever. No X's and O's, but just tic-tac-toe. Or as the young folks in here, a big old hashtag. Just, just draw a large hashtag on here. Some of you senior dogs are like, what's a hashtag? I know hash break, I'm going to put a hashtag. <laughs> so everybody got it? Everybody draw it? You're drawn out? Don't play tic-tac-toe, okay? Don't, don't do that. Do that at home. We're not playing tic-tac-toe church. Ever. <laughs> Alright, so on here, what I want you to do, in the middle, write your, like, your house, your household, whatever. I just put Snyder, because that's us. Snyder. So you write you, your house right there, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. Just north, just the top one, you think about your house. Now, I guess you got to know north, south, east, and west a little bit. But just think of your where you live and everybody around you. Who, what neighbor do you have is just north of you? Now, you may say, oh, I, I live in the country. We don't have neighbors. Yeah, you do. Your neighbors may be five, down, five miles down the road, but you got neighbors. Now, you may say, I don't know their name. I, I mean, only lived there 20 years, but I don't know what they That's okay. Put the color of their house or something, you know, like the car they drive, the, the dog they have that poops in the yard. I can't get over that. She's <laughs> coming back. But, you know, just brick house with black shutters. I don't know, whatever they are, just put it right there. And then think about your house, who lives just across from it, north. Now, you can fill out every little square of all the houses. Who lives just northwest of you? Just, if you think of your house, who lives just kind of what we like to call catty corner to you? You know what that means, catty corner? You know, who lives right there? And then who lives just west of you? Who lives southwest of you? South and southeast and east and northeast. And so you can feel this out. You don't have to do it now. You don't have to do it now. You can't want to. You don't have to do it now. But here's what I want you to do. When you fill all this out, what, what happens is you begin to see all those people and not asking the question, who is my neighbor? Then you figure that out. They're your literal neighbors. Not who's my neighbor, but who am I? And here's the thing. Just like God has given this church this address for a reason, God has given you your address for a reason. A specific reason. Why? Because of every household you're filling out on that paper. Why? Because you've asked yourself, who am I? God has reminded you that you've been saved from the wrath of God, and you've been saved to fellowship with God and people. And God is calling you to identify the lost. Now, you may know one of your neighbors on here, and you may say, oh, I know them, I've talked with them, I should. they go to church, they love the Lord. Perfect, that's great. That means you have identified their spiritual condition. What about the other ones? You say, I have no idea. Well, you need to start working on identifying their spiritual condition. So how do I do that? Well, you do that by observation number two. Isaiah <coughs> carried the spiritual condition of his neighbors to the Lord. 
What was the first thing Isaiah did? He was praying to God about himself and his own wretchedness. He says, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he recognized as he's praying the spiritual condition of his neighbors, they're lost too. They're unclean, they're just as unclean as I am. They're just as ruined as I am. And so what was the very first thing he, that he did? He carried their spiritual condition to the Lord. He prayed for them. That's what he's doing in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. And um, I live among the people who unclean lips. He's praying to God for them. What are the three words? Identify. He has identified the lost, unchurched, his neighbors. Now, what is he doing? He is investing in them. The greatest way you can invest in someone's life is to pray for them. The greatest way you can invest in someone's life is to go to God on their behalf. Why? Because you are petitioning the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God to move and work in that person's life. It's the greatest way you can invest. So you got your neighbor list here, you got your tic-tac-toe, your, your hashtag neighborhood here. Right? So you identify. You say, how do I identify? Well, go talk to them. You know, this weird thing called a conversation. I know. It's different in this age. You know, we can't, it's hard to have conversations. But have a conversation with them. We got to do better with this. Look, I, we're, not, we're not perfect in this. We, we need to do better. We've met all of our neighbors. We, we somewhat know them. Right? I mean, like, during the holidays, we'll take cookies still if you think about it. We'll talk to them out in the yard. But we share the. We love people. We have to love them. You've identified. I, here's the thing. If um, every Sunday, like, you leave to go to church and they never do, that might be an indication that they don't go to church. I don't know. I mean, unless they're having a church home, you know, like, the church is meeting in their house. But you haven't seen the cars. So that, that's a good way to identify. Maybe they just don't go anywhere. Or maybe when you get up and leave church, they're cutting their grass. They may not be going. They may have went to church Saturday night. I don't know, somewhere. Who knows? But identify. And then after you identify, you start investing in them. The greatest way Isaiah was investing in his neighbors was that he prayed for them. Listen, I know what you're thinking. Some of you, you don't know my neighbor. They really are terrorists. They're mean. They play loud music all the time. They park in front of our house and block our driveway. You know what I'm about to say, don't you? Their dog pays who you are, yeah. <laughs> they cut their grass and sling it all over your yard, probably. And all kinds of things. And you say, yeah, man, they're just mean. They don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't even like our neighbors. And you may even say this, my neighbors don't like me. Actually, I hate my neighbors. They hate me. Well, when you begin asking the question, who am I, you realize you are a Christian. If your neighbors hate you, shame on you. Shame on you. So you don't know how unkind they've been to me. But that, who cares? The simplest, you know, characteristic of a Christian is kindness. And if your neighbors hate you, you got an issue with your heart. You are being a bad witness. Now you need to start investing in them. Talk to him outside the yard. Invite him over for dinner. Have a cookout for your neighbors. Invite him over. He's like, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. We got to think outside the box here. So start investing in them. And that's exactly what Isaiah did. He invested. He started by praying for them. 
You can't hate somebody you pray for. Petition of the Lord's hand. You know why? Especially if they're lost or in church. Especially if they're lost. Pray for them. Why? Because God's not hearing their prayers. If they're praying. God doesn't hear the prayers of unrighteous. But he hears your prayers. He hears yours. Why? Because you've asked the question, who am I? And you've realized you're God saved you. You're a Christian. You're a believer, follower of Christ. You've been covered by the righteousness and the blood of Jesus. God hears your prayers. So when you petition on their behalf to God, he hears about them. You pray God will give you opportunities to invest in them. That's exactly what Isaiah did. He carried the spiritual condition of his neighbors to the Lord. And the last thing he did, he identified, he identified the lost. He started investing in them. And then the last thing was he invited them. He was inviting them to hear God's word. Observation number three, Isaiah was willing and became available to go to his neighbors on behalf of God. Isaiah was willing and he became available to go to his neighbors on behalf of God. What happened in Isaiah chapter 6? After confession, the angel says your sins, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. God said, who should I send? Who will go for us? The very next thing Isaiah said was, what did he say? Here am I. Send me. Hey, how about me? Why? Because I've asked who I am. I'm no longer unclean and wretched. I'm saved now. I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. God has saved me. My sins are removed. My iniquities have been covered up because of the gospel. Here am I, Lord. Send me. He became willing and available for God to use them. Notice what didn't happen. Isaiah had no clue what God was asking him to do. No idea. All God said was, who will we send? Who will go for us? Isaiah didn't ask, well, where do you want me to go? How long? Who do you want me to go to? How do you want me to go? In what manner? How long should I, should I move? Should my whole family go? How do you want me to do it? What should I say? He didn't do any of that. All he was was willing and available. He had no clue what God wanted him to do. He was simply available and willing and said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Why? Because he asked the right question. Who am I? I'm a saved. I am someone who once was wretched and deep in sin, but now I'm a Christian. I'm saved. And I have been removed from God's wrath, saved from God's wrath, and saved to what? Fellowship with who? God and who? People. Isaiah realizes, man, I've been saved from God's wrath and saved to fellowship with God and people. That's why he says, I'll go. Why? Because Isaiah understood his sole purpose now as a Christian is to fellowship with God and people. You know that's the calling on your life as a believer? To fellowship with God and people? Isaiah understood that from the very beginning. To fellowship with God and people. So what did he do? He went. He went to his neighbor's. And he told his neighbors exactly what God said. Why? He was faithful. Faithful in what? Fellowship. Isaiah was faithful in fellowship. He was faithful in identifying his neighbors. He was faithful in investing in them, praying for them. He knew most of them already. Most of your neighbors and your friends, you, you can, look, you can fill out four or five of these things. One for your house, one for your workplace, one for your school, but one for other places you go. He identified them. He invested in them. Most of the people you would write on here, you don't have to invest in them. You already know them. You know your co-workers. They know you. You talk to each other every week, every day, whatever. 
He identified, he invested, and then he invited them. He invited them to hear the word of the Lord. God told him what to say. You know what Isaiah did? He went and told him exactly what God said. Now, I'm not telling you to go tell your neighbors what God told Isaiah to tell his neighbors. Have you read what God told him to tell his neighbors? To keep reading. Tell the people to keep listening, but don't understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears, and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand that their minds turn. Understand with their minds turn back and be healed. I'm not telling you to go tell your neighbors that. That's what God told Isaiah to tell his neighbors. But you know what Isaiah did? He did exactly what God told him. And he told his neighbors exactly what God told him. Here's the thing. God has told you and told me exactly what to tell our neighbors. Just like he told Isaiah, he is telling us and has told us in the scriptures what to tell exactly what to tell our neighbors. So Isaiah went to his neighbors on behalf of God. He told them exactly what God wanted them to say. What about you? You've made a list now. What about you? <coughs> God is not asking us to say the exact same thing that he asked Isaiah to tell his neighbors. But he has commissioned you, just like in our mission statement. How do we love people? By doing the Great Commission. That's how we love people. What does the Great Commission say? Go and make disciples of all nations. You know what that means? Go and share the gospel. Tell your neighbors about Jesus. You say, well, I don't know about God. I don't, I don't know enough about the Bible. I, 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 I get nervous. I, I can't tell people. I just can't do it. I, I, I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. Oh, you can talk all you want to about sports and your favorite hobby and all kinds of stuff. Don't give me that. That is no... I just can't remember anything. You remember every country song radio that comes on. Don't give me that. You remember stuff. Now, that's, this is no excuse. I can't remember. I can't, what if they ask me something I don't know? Tell them you don't know. Lord and mercy, just say, I don't know. I'll find out, though. I will search. I will find out what the scriptures say. Here's the thing. You are the greatest. Listen to me. When it comes to sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus, you are the greatest expert in what God's done for you. You know that? God has given you your address for a reason. Why? Because your neighbors need to hear your expertise on what God's done for you. God has given you the job that you have. Why? So your co-workers can hear an expertise tell them about what God has done for you. Nobody can tell your neighbors and your co-workers and your friends at school. Nobody can tell them what God has done for you like you can. That's all God commissions us to do. This is who Jesus is, and this is what he's done for me. <clears throat> that is what God is commissioning us to do. How do we love people? We fellowship with people. How do we accomplish that? Through the Great Commission. Tell them about Jesus. So now, you have your map. You can take another one on the back. You can fill it out. This is, this is you at your workplace. And you can fill out people that work around you. Start identifying the laws. Identifying those that need the Lord. Start investing in them. Tell them about church. Tell them about Jesus and things that are going on. Easter's coming up. Man, what a great... You identify and invest and invite. Invite them to Easter. Invite them to Easter. You're going to find out next week just how many people will come to church through a simple invite. Through a simple invite. You'll find out next week about that. You'll hear wonderful stories about it. But God's calling us to identify through fellowship, identify people 
invest in them, and then invite them. I pray you'll do that. Listen, I know we talk a lot about fellowship. The greatest fellowship you and I have is fellowship with the Lord. And that's only made possible from the gospel. Listen, you may be here this morning, just like those in the early service. You are separated from God because of your sin. Just like Isaiah was. Isaiah was separated from God because of his unclean heart. But because of repentance and God's forgiveness, he was brought back into fellowship with God. The greatest fellowship you'll ever have is not with your spouse, not with your children, not with anything else. The greatest fellowship you'll ever experience is with the Lord, with God. And at one time, it was perfect until sin entered the world. And just like Isaiah, you're separated from God. But listen to me. Just like Isaiah, if you'll repent and confess that you're ruined, that you need the Lord, you need Christ that is seated on a high lofty throne, repent of your sins, confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you will be restored back into a right fellowship with God. Then you'll be able to love God. Right. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the scriptures. I pray for those in the room that are out of fellowship with you. Lord, I pray that even this morning they will confess their sins to you. Listen, if you're here this morning, you say, well, preacher, I love to have fellowship with people, but I don't even have fellowship with God. Just like Isaiah's neighbors who are unchurched and lost, God does not hear their prayers. You may be here today and you're lost. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know that. You know in your heart. Maybe you're visiting with us or, or you're a guest or a member. You may know in your heart, I know I'm lost. I know I need Jesus. Listen to me. God is not here to hear prayers. The only prayer God will hear from you is a prayer of repentance. It's the only one. So how can you have a, how can you be brought back into fellowship with God? You pray a prayer like this. Lord, I'm ruined. I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm separated from you. I am unclean. I have a sinful heart. Lord, I, I trust and I believe that you're Jesus and that you died on the cross for me so that I could be saved. And I believe, Lord, that you was risen from the dead three days later. Lord, I pray just like Isaiah did, I confess my sin to you. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of all my wrongdoings. Lord, I want to confess you as Lord. That you would be master over my life. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want to serve you. I want to live you. Lord, I want to be brought back into fellowship with you. So I can love you. From Listen, if that's you, you pray that we want to rejoice. The Bible says heaven rejoices even if just one sinner repents. And we want to join heaven. So if that's you in a moment, we're going to stand and sing. We want you to come down. Hey, we just want to talk with you, rejoice with you. Maybe you're a Christian here. Maybe you know you love the Lord. You, you know Jesus, the Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't been faithful in fellowship. Maybe God's leading you to come and pray for your neighbors. Come and pray for your co-workers. Come and pray for your friends that are unchurched or lost. Maybe God's leading you to come and find ways to identify, to invest in their life. And then to invite them to Jesus, invite them to church. Oh, how great would it be for lost people all across this county and the surrounding cities that in just a moment they're going to feel somebody praying for them. Would you do that? Father, have your way. Lord, may we just be obedient to your calling. 
Jesus' name, amen.